Hello and welcome to the Second Tier Podcast. I'm Ryan Dilks and I'd usually be joined by Justin Peach, but he's not here today, ladies and gentlemen. Instead, we're joined by two fans of the two teams competing in the Championship Playoff Final. Of course, welcome to the number one Championship-specific podcast, the Second Tier. Thank you for joining us wherever you are, of course, as it's the Playoff Final coming up in just seven days' time as the two fans joining me today will be very nervously knowing. Uh, we're joined by two very, very nervous fans. We've got Rich Ferraro from 1865, the Nottingham Forest podcast. Rich, how's it going? Yeah, all good. Um, my voice has just about recovered from uh, the exertions of five days ago. <laughs> and it will be completely gone again in seven days' time. Absolutely. Also, here is Brady Frost from the Huddersfield podcast, and he takes that chance. Brady, how are you? I'm good, Ryan. Your intro is making me nervous. I'm trying to distract myself and forget about Sunday till Sunday. But uh, I suppose I'm not going to help being on the pod about it. <laughs> it's going to be a very long week at work for both you two, isn't it? Um, what we're going to do, ladies and gentlemen, today is we're going to talk about the playoff final. We're going to look ahead to it, all the permutations around it, have a good old chit-chat about it. Um, and we may as well start off with some perspective chaps in different ways. It's remarkable, isn't it, that either side is in this position. Rich, we'll start with you. Then it's the first few games of the season. Chris Newton has just been sacked. How would Rich from the past have reacted if you told him Forrest would get to the playoff final this season? Oh, it's outrageous, isn't it? It's, it's just ridiculous. Um, if you think about it, um, we basically gave other teams a 20-point head start. And I know that some Forest fans would make the obvious Derby comparison. There's no comparison there. But... A 20-point head start, one point in the, out of the first 21, and yet we finished fourth in the league um, with 80 points and a goal difference of plus 33. It's just, it's just astonishing, and no one could have predicted that. I bet even Stevie Cooper in his wildest dreams would never have thought that he'd have been able to have such an impact in such a short space of time. And that just goes to show the job that he's done this season. But then for you, Brady, I remember when there was a lot of speculation over Carlos Corbran's future at the end of a very underwhelming season last year. And same question to you, if we told Brady from the past that next season, Huddersfield would have been in the playoff final, what would you have said? Um, you know, wake me up. Uh, it was just, it's just crazy. I mean, um, you know, even at the start of this season, because it was the, I remember going to the Fulham game uh, where we lost 5-1. It was the first game back after, you know, lockdown. And we were dreadful that day. And I was just like, oh no, here we go again. So to be you know, to finish third in the table, just six points off Bournemouth, you know, and you, when you consider the two wage bills in comparison, it's been a fantastic season. Um, obviously, we're here we're here in the final and you'd be delighted to win and I'm, I'm sure we'll talk about it. But I just think it's been such a brilliant season come out of nowhere, really, that, um, yeah, I'm just, I just think I'm proud of, you know, kind of whatever happens from here. But um, then again, we'll, we'll see what happens after Sunday. Yeah, Rich, I was saying on Twitter in the week that, this is the first time Forest have been to a playoff final, uh, which is mental, really. It's the first, well, first time since the championship was rebranded. And it's the first time Forest have been to the new Wembley. They were one of only two teams, the other one being Blackburn, for anyone wondering, who haven't been to the new Wembley in the top two flights since uh, the new Wembley was built. So for you, it's going to be quite an interesting experience actually watching Nottingham Forest play at the new Wembley, isn't it? Without giving my age away too much, my very first match was at the old Wembley um, in the uh, oh, League Cup final that Nigel Jemson <laughs> scored the winner in. So, um, 
uh, yeah, I think Wembley's a very different beast now. And yeah, it's exciting. It's, um, I don't know which is which people will find more exciting, you know, the fact it's at Wembley or the fact that it's a playoff final. Um, I actually, I think that most Forest fans will just be like, you know what, let's just enjoy the occasion because going back to what I was saying a little while ago, to get from rock bottom of the table to being the fourth best team in the division in the space of 39 games is just something that no one could ever possibly have expected. So to then get to Wembley, having had, you know, a classic semi-final against Sheffield United over two legs um, and, and and the penalty shootouts, so all the emotion that goes with it. On Tuesday night, everyone that I know was exhausted but elated for the occasion, for the fact that we've even, we've even got there in the first place. Of course, Brady Huddersfield, I've been in the playoff final before. Do you think that maybe gives you a slight advantage over Forrest, having that experience in the past? Um, I'd say so if we had the same squad, but, you know, it's only Jonathan Hogg who was um, he's the only player who's, who would have been in both. Um, I think in terms of the fans, I'm sure it's different with some others, but for myself, it's 2017, it really felt like that was our chance and we had to take it. You know, it was kind of, otherwise we're going to get picked apart. And that's not to say it couldn't happen um, if we were unsuccessful in the final on Sunday. But I, I don't know, I, I'm kind of... Again, I just think it's been a great season and it's kind of come from nowhere that I think I would be absolutely gutted if we did lose. But I, I think I could also acknowledge it's been a great season and we, we could celebrate. But um, yeah, I think for fans, you know, we to be honest, we've had quite a lot of luck in playoffs, um, which is a bit concerning because your luck does run out. So um, I don't know. Yeah, we, we, we always do it. I think, um, you know, the narrative, certainly how some Huddersfield fans have felt about it is, you know, Everyone wants Forrest to be back in. You know, Forrest were obviously a great team in the 90s. A lot of the pundits grew up with Forrest being in the Premier League. Um, and, you know, we weren't particularly well liked in the Premier League, particularly second season when we were getting thrashed every week. So um, I think that suits Huddersfield, to be honest. You know, again, just kind of would go under the radar. People have tried to write us off all season. People have been waiting for us to drop off and it hasn't happened. So I think the narrative does really suit us and hence why we're feeling maybe quietly confident because we really don't have anything to lose. Yeah, people waiting for you to drop off. That Those people, including me. Um, I, I just never expected Huddersfield to keep going as well as they have done. Uh, Rich, what were you going to say? I was just going to say, yeah, I think that experience that, that, that Huddersfield have of going to Wembley, yet yeah, there's a turnover of players. But of course, you know, Brady, you and I have talked about it in the past, about that's why your podcast has its name, isn't it? It was that you took that chance. And I think there's possibly um, a similar feel for Forrest this time around, which is, you know what, like, if we give it a go, then then great. And, and if we go up, then happy days. And if we don't, obviously, there is a danger that Forrest's squad may have to change significantly with all the uncertainty that that brings. So there's, there's, there's something in that. Um, I would also just say that it's really, really exciting that the playoff final is being contested by the two form teams in the division. And bearing in mind that teams in the playoffs are naturally going to be evenly matched. So having third and fourth in the playoff final, it just feels like there's a certain a certain justice there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we ran a poll this week, gents, asking people who they wanted to win the playoff final. 56% of people said Forrest. Brady, do you mind not being the side that the majority of neutrals don't want to win? 
No, no problem at all. I think, um, you know, because we're a small town and, you know, there is some huge names in the championship, you know, I think that's been the story of our season. When we beat teams, we you shouldn't have any right to beat. You know, I think we won against Fulham away. You know, we had some good good victories. People are like, you know, the classic phrase, we shouldn't be losing to teams like Huddersfield. So, um, yeah, no problem with that at all. Like I say, it really suits us as a narrative. Um, I think we saw on, you know, on Monday um, against Luton in the, in the second leg, we were the favourites and I think we actually struggled with the pressure a bit. You know, so I think... Again, this team, it's got such a good unity. Yeah, it suits us being the being the underdogs. You know, we always always have been. Um, you know, the only time again thinking about Wembley and when we were the favourites was um Peterborough uh, in the League One and you know, we lost three 0 and got absolutely thrashed. So uh, yeah, underdogs is fine for me. Rich, why do you think most neutrals want Forest to win? I think that's something that's already been said. Um a lot of people will have memories of Forrest being a top flight side. If they're similar age to me, they'll have memories of Forrest actually being the third best team in the championship. Um, they'll have memories of Forrest being in the UEFA Cup and playing Bayern Munich in, in the 90s. Um, so I think there's a bit of nostalgia, nostalgia there. There's also, you know, for people of a certain age, uh, there's the Brian Clough factor, the fact that we are one of the clubs that Brian Clough um, is most indelibly linked with. And there's a certain romanticism about it. But... When you read out those figures, Ryan, I have to say, um, having said, oh, well, the majority of fans are, are supporting Forrest. Firstly, it's a very unusual thing in recent years for Forrest to be like the team favoured by the neutral. Um, I sat through three years of League One. We were very not very much not favoured by the by the neutral then. And then secondly, it's it's actually a lot more balanced than than you would have imagined. I, You know, um, the way that you see some people talking about it, you'd think that you know, a vast majority of fans are wanting Forrest to do well. Actually, you know what? A Twitter poll is not necessarily statistically significant, but it's not as much. I don't know. Maybe there's loads of Derby fans voting. <laughs> uh, let, let's talk individuals then, gentlemen. Brady, who's going to be the key player for your side next weekend? Which player has got to be at the top of his game for Huddersfield to win the player final? Oh, that's an interesting one. I think, um, you know, the immediate one for me is, is Lee Nichols. I think Forrest have been, you know, an amazing attacking team this season. and They really do try and blow teams away. Um, and I think if we're going to get any joy from it, Lee Nichols is the key man. You know, he's in the championship team this season for, for a reason. He's been absolutely incredible. I think, you know, for a free transfer from MK Dons, um, you know, he was their second choice because he had a bit of a contract dispute. He's been fantastic. But I, the real game changer for me in an attacking sense is Sorba Thomas. You know, he was he was injured, um, you know, for the last couple of games of the season. He, he came back in the last half an hour uh, against Luton and he puts the ball in for Jordan Rhodes to, to get the winner. He is absolutely crucial and has been this season with set pieces. So I, th I do think if we're going to get any joy from an attacking sense, Sorba is, is the key man, you know, because his delivery is just well, it's just delicious. <laughs> can put it on a sixpence, can't he? Rich, same question to you. Which player's got to be key for Forest next weekend? Everyone's going to be talking about Brennan Johnson. Um, and I guess Johnson is the is the Sorber Thomas of the Forest team in, in that respect. I mean, having talked about experience going to Wembley, obviously Brennan played in the playoffs last season, albeit a division below. So he's got that little bit of experience. When Forest 
are playing well, it's because they are solid at the back. Um, Samba has got a very similar uh, championship statistical record as, as Lee Nichols, but um, and of course helped by his heroics on Tuesday night against Sheffield United. Um, not just in the penalty shootout, but he made a save right at the start of the match and right at the end of extra time, two saves from Njai, which where he made himself big, the, exactly the kinds of saves you'd want your keeper to make in a big game. So, yes, we've got the similar thing of the attacker and the goalkeeper. But the thing that was a bit surprising on in Tuesday's second leg was that Forrest were a little bit overrun in midfield. And that was down to the fact that Jimmy Garner was having the worst match I've seen him play for quite some time. And so Yates and Garner as a, as a midfield pivot work really, really well together. And Yates was was doing well and he was working hard. But, but Garner just looked, I don't know if he's tired. It's been a long season. He's still a young player. Um, so I think if Forrest want to keep control of the game, then I think the Yates and Garner partnership will be will be crucial. Let's have a look at the opposition then, gents. Rich, same question to you that I'll ask Brady in a sec. Which opposition player are you most fearful of? Who's going to cause the most problems for the tricky trees? Oh, that's a, it's a tough one, isn't it? The thing that I like about both teams is that they are teams. So we can talk about individuals and I would say as well, Lee Nichols single-handedly earned Huddersfield the points at the city ground back in December. Um, he had an astonishing game. So we know that he can he can be the difference between winning and losing. So in that sense, he's not a danger man, but he's a man that can can make a difference. Of course, Thomas is great. And of course, the other thing is, is that I don't know if Danny Ward's going to be fit or not. And if if not, then Jordan Rhodes is one of those strikers who always seems to score against Forrest. So, so who knows? But that very first match I went to back in 1990 at Wembley against uh, Forest versus Oldham, Jordan's dad, Andy Rhodes, was in goal for, uh, for Oldham on that day and we beat them then. So whether there's a psychological edge, I have no idea. How about that? Saw Brennan Johnson's dad featuring on Sky every five minutes in the uh, semi-finals. So maybe that will have a psychological factor there as well. Brady, who, which Forest player are you most worried about next weekend? Uh, to be honest, there's quite quite a few from to choose from. I think the obvious is probably Brennan Johnson, but um, we've played Forest three times this season already, and you know, including the league game and then the cup game. And uh, Zinkenagel for me was always the one who who stuck out when we when we played against him. I think we we struggled to handle him at times. Um, so he, he's kind of the one. I'm again, uh, you can look at all the kind of stats and tactics, but uh, I'll use old foot, uh, football man terms and be like, yeah, whenever I've seen him, he's all right. And so, um, he, yeah, he looks dangerous. I think, you know, especially if he can supply Johnson and, you know, Davis, if Davis is fit by the sounds of it, or Surridge. Um, yeah, he's the one to watch out for. Uh, I think um, Lewis O'Brien's going to have to have a hell of a game to keep him quiet. Absolutely. Gents, let's have a quick break. After that, we'll talk about what will happen if your side does or doesn't get promoted. Welcome back to the Second Tier Podcast. So, gentlemen, we've talked about what will happen next weekend and who will be the danger men for either side. But let's talk about the worst possible scenario for either team. Rich, we'll start with you. Say the worst happens and Forrest don't get promoted next weekend. How do you think you do next season? And what, what shape do you think Forrest will actually be in? Well, 
we weren't supposed to be here anyway, were we? And um, we've got lone players and we've got young players. If we don't go up, look, we know we're going to lose probably Brennan Johnson. We might lose Joe Worrell. If Worrell wasn't a Forest fan, he'd have left last season. I'm pretty certain of that. Um, and those are bankable assets. And obviously there's a balance sheet to consider. There's uh, profit and sustainability rules or whatever they're called. So so players will go. And I say the loan players, we know that that will change as well. So there'll be players who will be leaving. I mean, Keenan Davis, who knows whether we'd be able to sign him because transfer fee would probably be okay. But wages, would he be willing to take a wage cut to play another season in the championship, having been so outstanding. We know that Jed Spence isn't going to play. He's going to be playing in the Premier League. If Forrest go up, then we've got a fighting chance. But from what we saw on Tuesday night in the lap of honour, it looked like Jed was saying goodbye to the city ground because he knows he's going to have a very, very lucrative offer. He's probably already lined up to go and play somewhere else, whether that be for a, a mid to high level Premier League team or actually maybe somewhere else entirely. So we're going to lose players. Uh, I think this, the difference is, is that in previous years, when we've lost players, and allow, indulge me, Ryan, allow me to go back 19 years to when we last played Sheffield United in the playoffs, to which Forest fans certain have a certain level of PTSD. And it's not just about the fact that we lost that semi-final and not just about the traumatic way in which we lost it, but also about that, that then that team got dismantled because we couldn't offer new contracts to certain players. And and then it was never the same. After that, it led to Paul Hart getting sacked. It led to Forrest eventually going down two years later. So the hope is that the club is in better hands with Dane Murphy as the chief executive, uh, working with Steve Cooper, working with a recruitment team. You look at the work that they've done in terms of signing players, I say signing a player like Davis, signing Steve Cook, uh, being able to uh, go out and sign Sam Surridge when it looked like Lewis Graben was going to be out for most of the rest of the season, which he was. Those are crucial interventions and ones that weren't just panic buys. Those look looked planned and it looked as if there's a plan in place, which gives us some hope. Yeah, Brady, same question to you. If Huddersfield don't win, when we don't win next weekend, how do you think you'll do? It's it's an interesting one, really. I think um, when we were doing the pod the other week, we got a question about how do we avoid doing a doing a Barnsley. To be honest, because I think um, as, as you know, as pessimistic as that sounds, I think that is a concern. You know, town pretty much for the last ten years have either been in a promo, uh, promotion battle or a relegation battle. There's kind of no no in between. I think you know, Corbrand's had an amazing season. I think we, there is a lot of similarities. You know, we were a relegation battle team. Last season, you know, what if someone comes to a call brand? Lewis O'Brien will certainly go if we don't go up. I think um, he is a Premier League player. His stats show that, um, you know, he's only missing goals and assists from his game, but he's he's just a fantastic player. Um, so I think he'd go, you know, let's say, see what happens with Corbrand. I don't know. I think it's really tricky because this team is made up of free transfers and loan, loan players, you know, and I think... Um, It'd be interesting to see who we, who we recruit. You, you know, I think Levi Colwell, obviously, who we've got on Chelsea, we've got no chance of keeping him if we're in the championship. He is a hell of a player and is going to go on to, to play for England for sure. Um, no doubt about that. And again, I think it's just who we who we get in. I think the recruitment team, particularly from the fallout when we were relegated from the Premier League, was criticised. But this summer, we signed a lot of players who, again, you know, I think a lot of people and myself at the time thought, mm, 
kind of lower end championship, maybe even top end League One players. You know, Lee Nichols, who I've talked about, look at the season he's had. Tom Lees, I think, has been absolutely incredible um, this season. You know, I thought he was done and dusted at Wednesday. And I think if Nichols didn't have the season he's had, he'd be, he'd be player of the season. He's been immense at the back. Um, so, yeah, I think if Corbran stays, I don't, again, I don't see. Well, the only thing is he's got that Leeds connection and who knows what happens with Leeds if they, you know, if they did get relegated. But I'm kind of confident Corbyn would stay because um, it's only been one good season, as that sounds. You know, he had an awful season last season for various reasons out of his control. And I think we are, you know, I've made it the point quite clear. We are a small club um, in terms of, uh, fans will hate me if I say that, but you know there are bigger clubs in the championship than us with bigger wage budgets. You know, um, and I think he likes Corbin likes the control he can have. You know, he's changed the players' diet. He's really involved in the B team and the training, and he has a lot of control. I don't think he'd necessarily get at a bigger club. So it's tricky. I think we'd have an opportunity to bounce back, but there'll be a lot of big bigger teams with bigger budgets in the in the league next season. You know, Sheffield United will want to bounce back. I'm sure West Brom won't be as bad as they were this season and obviously got Norwich and Watford and whoever joins them. So um, we could challenge for top six, but again, I think it, the recruitment would have to be spot on again. Let's think positively then, gents. Rich, if Forrest did get promoted, how do you think you'd actually do in the Premier League next season? You know something, Ryan? Um, Brady and I, we've, we've known each other in, in podcasting terms for, for a good couple of years now. And um, we have joked on more than one occasion when messaging each other. It's like, isn't the ultimate result to end up finishing um, third or fourth in the league and then getting to Wembley, having a great day out and then not getting promoted so that you don't have to deal with being absolutely tanked every, every week at the following season? And actually, in fairness to... Um, to Brentford, they've shown that it doesn't have to be that way. Um, so what's interesting is that uh, through the club's transfer policy, through Steve Cooper's reputation, I'm confident that we could sign some some reasonable players who would be of a suitable, not necessarily suitable standard straight away, but suitable potential. Um, obviously, the other thing is that Forrest has shown in the FA Cup run, where we beat Arsenal and Leicester and gave a very creditable showing against Liverpool, that we can, we know how to play against Premier League teams and give them a game. Now, obviously, there's a there's a difference between one-off games and if you're getting tanked every week. So that would have a psychological impact. But yeah, I, I, it would just be nice to be there. That's that's as far as I'm going to be perfectly honest. Let's Let's deal with that if we get there and I'm confident that in Dane Murphy as chief executive and Steve Cooper as the gaffer that they have the tools they've got a plan in place and they have the tools to kind of make it work if they get there. Brady how do you reckon Huddersfield will do in the Premier League? I think they'd struggle um, you know I think the gap not to bum everyone out but I think the gap between the Championship and the Premier League is becoming wider and wider um, and I, I don't think we'd I think it'd be a difficult season. Um, you know, who who knows, though? Because, you know, I, I thought exactly the same when we went up last time. It's kind of, again, Rich touched on it there, but I, I just love it if we could bank all the money from the Premier League and be like, no, we'll stay in the Championship and have some fun. I think if Huddersfield did, uh, did go up, I think, you know, we've been up there before we've made mistakes. Uh, it'd be interesting to see if we learn from those mistakes. I think that's key. I think my ideal scenario would be because um, I think you'd probably be odds on to be be relegated, you know, and it's fine. I just think 
what they'd need to do is get recruit the right players who want to stick around. That was the problem with the you know um, with our second season in the Premier League. We bought in players who weren't going to stick around if we were in the Championship and then were lumbered with huge contracts and were struggling to shift. So, you know, I, I think the smartest thing would be to recruit players. You know, a couple of players who. Um, improve the quality of the team but are willing to stick around with you when you go back down um you know so much of the success of this season has been about the squad and you know I sure I'm sure they say it when you're winning most weeks but it does really feel like a family unit it does seem like all the players get along and you don't want to disrupt that too much so I think you know if we did if we were successful on Sunday these players deserve a shot at the Premier League because you know like I say most of them were kind of written off in their careers and um yeah, I think I think we'd struggle, but again, you know, I think it's uh, this season's been more about the journey rather than destination. So, Brady, give me the most likely reason why your team will win this weekend. Because famous last words, you can clip this, Ryan. We're a hard team to beat. You know, Rich touched on it there at the City Ground. We are people don't like playing against us because um, you know. I was thinking it's luck, but, you know, when you manage to hang on in most games, um, there's been some games where we've been outplayed uh, and games we should have lost and we don't. We're just a really hard team to break down, um, you know, cut to 3-0 three, three in the first 15 minutes on, on Sunday. But, um, yeah, I think you link Nichols has been sensational. Lees and Colwell, who I've talked about, have been, have been great. Um, I just think we can stay in games, you know, and we, we do ride our luck at times, but... Teams don't like playing against us. I think Corbran has been fantastic. Uh, you know, uh, some players, um, Nigel Pearson, when we played Bristol City a couple of weeks ago, said we're the best team he's played all season. Um, I know other managers have said in their post-match, Corbran's difficult. He doesn't. They don't like playing Corbran teams because he changes formation so much in games. Um, I, yeah, I think I think we're a, a difficult opponent. You know, we finished third in the league for the season, and as I've said, we. We frustrate teams, you know, Rich knows that all too well at the city ground. I don't know how we won that game, but that's, again, kind of the story of our season. We win those games, even when we're under the cost for a lot of it. So I think, you know, looking ahead to Sunday, um, the longer it goes on and stays goalless, the more I think it works in our favour. You know, I think there's a lot of expectation on Forest. You know, again, talking about we're not underdogs because we finished above Forest, but, um, you know, they've got the attacking talent, the pressures. I do feel the pressure's on them because a lot of people want to see them return. You know, I know Forest fans, again, we've all, uh, as a Huddersfield fan, we've all had a, the lows, but they're really enjoying this season. I think, like most fans, and I, I'm doing the same, you get a little bit carried away. And I, I think, again, it just really suits um, suits us to be the underdogs. I think the longer the game goes on, we're a hard team to beat. And I think the nerves could creep in. So, um, yeah, I don't, I don't think it's actually going to be a great game for the neutral. <laughs> Player finals don't tend to be really, do they? They're always quite nervy affairs, aren't they? Rich, give me the most re likely reason why Forrest will win this coming weekend. Uh, I've got two half reasons for you, Ryan. Um, pace and persistence. So pace in the likes of Johnson and Surridge um, and even Keenan Davis, if he plays, uh, Jed Spence, Ryan Yates breaking from midfield. So, you know, it's, it's the old cliche, isn't it? No, no one likes to defend against pace but also persistence. So Brady made a really good point that, you know, Huddersfield are resilient. And if you hold out for a certain amount of time, then obviously it puts the game in the balance. But Forrest haven't played badly for 90 minutes in one go or 120 minutes in one go since Steve Cooper's been the gaffer. 
even in the matches that we've lost, we've always had a chance of of getting back into it. And even against Bournemouth, where we were absolutely battered in the second half, but Brees Samba could, of all people, could have equalised with the last kick of the game. Um, and we've seen Forest score late goals. We've seen the fact that in the semi-final, at 80 minutes, Sheffield United, they suddenly went down a gear and they looked a bit knackered. And yes, they still had chances to win it, but Forest were able to gain a measure of control that we hadn't had for most of that half. So I think that persistence, and that comes from mental fortitude as, as well as physical physical strength and, and stamina. Same question to you then, Rich. I'll ask Brady in a sec. Give me the most likely reason why Forrest won't win this coming weekend. It's a tricky question, but got to ask it. The teams that we have lost against are the ones recently, Bournemouth, Sheffield United, Luton, are the ones who stopped us from playing and therefore we ended up having to try and play long balls out of the, out from the back and it didn't stick. So there's two problems there. Number one is uh, that Forrest are best when they play it their way. So the balls down the channels that Surridge and Johnson can run onto or Spence getting down the wing, that kind of thing. And the other thing is that it depends on Keenan Davis. Keenan Davis has this amazing ability to make the ball stick. I mean, he came on as a late sub against Sheffield United and you saw every time he got the ball, it was like watching Ryan Giggs or Cristiano Ronaldo and their hair years. The defenders just couldn't stop him because you either have to knock him off the ball or just let him run past you. Now, there's no guarantee he's going to be able to do that for uh, you know every run he makes on Sunday. But if he's playing, then it means that we've got a certain stickability and that can bring other players into play. So, yeah, if we, coming back to your question, the thing that's going to stop us is if Huddersfield managed to close us down, press high and therefore force us into long balls. Brady, what's going to be the reason Huddersfield won't win this coming weekend? The most likely reason? Um, I think it's probably a combination of, um, you know, I touched on, Forest can blow teams away, and I think nerves. To be honest, um, you know, I, the game against Luton on Monday at home, I think players were nervous. You know, passes were quite working out. Luton were the better side than us um, for most of that game, and uh, you know, I think that's full credit to Luton as well. But they were just we, we couldn't make passes. You know, there was just a bit of a struggle. We have got quite a few young players. Levi Colwell, as good as he's been, I think he grew into the game, but he didn't have the best. You know, John Russell again been so good for us, but again a young player. I know he's been in the academy at Chelsea. Um, yeah, I think Forest can, you know, they can have those like spells where they're just on top of you and you can't break out. So I think if um, if the nerves play a part, that could be really difficult. And look, look to be honest, you know, Forest score a lot of goals and. Um, I think if if they score two, um, you know, I really struggle to see us coming back in as great as we've been. A lot of our victories have been tight one goal margins or, you know, um, I'd find it really difficult if we did score three. We've not really blown teams away in the way Forest have. So, yeah, it, it'll be tricky. I think, you know, going into it, um, Forest were the team I didn't, didn't want to play in the playoffs. Um, there was... You know, there was a lot of um, happy faces when Forrest drew against Hull and it meant they played Sheffield United and we got Luton. But um, Forrest were the team I, I was wary about because I just think they've got they've got the quality. Brennan Johnson, you, you can list pretty much the whole team. I think um, it's funny, me and Rich have done a combined uh, combined 11 on for our podcast. So we'll, uh, we'll see uh, what fans will think of that. But they've got so much quality and I think it could really hurt. So, um, yeah, I'm not... Um, 
it will be us, but again, Forrest has got that quality that just does make you scared. To a score prediction, chaps. Rich, what's the score going to be next weekend? My prediction is that football will be the winner. <laughs> Beautifully played out. Brady, what's your score prediction? <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I want football to be the winner. Uh, no, I um, <laughs> I think this... Huddersfield don't make things easy for themselves. I think this is going to go the distance. and I, I don't know what this... I'm not going to give you a score, but I can see this going to penalties because, um, you know, I don't need any more stress in my life. So why not go for 120 minutes in penalties? <laughs> right in saying the last playoff final must have been when Huddersfield, that last playoff final that went to penalties must have been when Huddersfield last got promoted. I, I think I'm right in saying that. Yeah, yeah. And that was the worst 120 minutes I think I've seen in a long time. It was absolutely <laughs> dire. We had a chance first five minutes and nothing happened for the rest of the game. Um yeah, so uh, I hope it's not as boring as that. But like you say, they are they are cagey affairs, and I, I think I could see it going the distance. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. Both teams are very even, aren't they? Um, final question then, chaps, and I, I suppose it's the most important question of all. How are you actually feeling? We're a week away, so I imagine the nerves will creep in as the days go on. But Rich, how are you feeling at this very moment? Uh, right now... I'm still feeling quite like I did in the second leg against Sheffield United. So um, I sit, I was sitting with my brother and we were joking on our podcast about how he, in the Sheffield United match, I can't remember if it was about 80 minutes or an extra time, he suddenly, as a, as a you know, 40-something-year-old man, suddenly like zipped up his top, put his hood over and just hunched there because he was so tense. And I was surprisingly zen. And that was... Because, you know what, I've been watching Forrest a long time. I've seen us go down to League One. I've seen us in the UEFA Cup. I've seen us be the third best team in the country. And I've seen us be, well, terrible under Gary Megson. And therefore, you know what, whatever happens, whatever happens, just everything that's happened this season, the feeling around the city, the feeling around the club. I also want to give a shout out to Notts and Mansfield, the other two Nottinghamshire clubs who are also in the playoffs. Mansfield a bit Wembley the day before us. So there's a real energy and, and joy about it and I want to try and preserve that feeling rather than getting too caught up in nerves but come back to me on Sunday at tea time and we'll see if I still feel the same yeah I imagine it'll be a bit different by then Brady how are you feeling at this very moment I'm feeling okay now I think doing this has made me think about it but I'm trying to I'm trying to distract myself I'm actually going away for the weekend uh, and then doing the trip from Whitby to Wembley on the same on the Sunday <laughs> so uh, it's going to be quite the trek so I think um, I'll be in such a kind of stress getting there that I'll kind of forget about the game until I'm sat down so um, Luton you know I don't normally get that nervous because I think it's like you know what's going to happen I'll try and be chill but um I work with obviously a lot of Huddersfield Town supporters and they just add to my nerves like at no end. You know, the Luton game was torture. Um, I had someone sat next to me who kept going, giving me an hour by hour countdown, you know, like seven hours to go, mate. And it's like, I don't I don't need this. I don't need this stress. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm feeling OK now. I think, um, yeah, luckily I've distracted myself going away for the weekend before. So um, I think the nerves won't really hit until... I'm inside Wembley, to be honest, which is which is how I like it. Rich, can I can I just give a quick shout out to Stephen from our podcast, who obviously Ryan you've had as a guest in the past. He's at a stag do in Glasgow on Saturday night. He's getting up early. <laughs> 
the morning after to fly down to Luton where he's going to get picked up by the Wenger bus who are going to drive down <laughs> and then get him to the match. And so if if Forrest, if it goes badly for Forrest, he's going to not be feeling great at all on the Sunday. <laughs> wow, that, that's going to be one hell of a trip, isn't it? As a Derby fan, gents, I can tell you, Wembley, lovely day out and it never, ever ends in heartbreak. Um, I say that as sarcastically as possible. <laughs> um, I'd say good luck to you both, but obviously only one of you can win. So good luck, but obviously it's uh, it's not fully meant. But gents, thank you for coming on the show today. Um, quick thank you to you both. Rich Ferraro from the 1865 Nottingham Forest podcast. Thank you for your time today. Thank you for having me, Ryan. And um, as I say, I just want I want the best team to win, whoever that might be. <laughs> Utter bollocks. <laughs> Brady Frost from the Huddersfield podcast, and he takes that chance. Thank you for your time today. No, thanks for having me, Ryan. Um, you know, I mean this in the nicest way possible. I enjoy coming on here. Um, it'd be nice if we weren't next season, but also if we are, um, it's always good to have a chat with yeah. you guys. So. And I presume that Justin's not here because he's thrown his toys out of the pram about Big Forrester in the final. <laughs> absolutely. That is yeah. absolutely true. Um, well, gentlemen, have a great weekend next weekend. Only one of you is actually going to have a great weekend, but um, hopefully the nerves don't creep in too much over the coming days. But this has been the Second Tier Podcast. I've been Ryan Dilks. Thank you for your time today. We'll be back again very soon. Mm-hmm.